Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Unsavory, where true crime meets food. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to Unsavory. Today, we're doing more of a scandalous biographical story on the man who claims that he is America's doctor. So on paper, he seems like a stand-up guy. He's highly educated, a prolific surgeon, author, and TV personality. He's charismatic, engaging, and pretty attractive by conventional standards. Do you agree? Yes, yes. <laughs> Good-looking guy. But he has a tendency to spew misinformation, practice out of his scope, and promote supplements using clickbaity words like miracle and magic. And he has made millions doing so. So today we are covering the 411 on Dr. Oz. Sarah, what do you know about Dr. Oz? So I definitely know who he is. He's very pervasive in the media. And like, I know he's linked to misinformation. But my grandma last night asked me what this podcast episode was on. And I said, oh, it's about Dr. Oz. And she used to watch the show along with like Oprah and like that whole batch of shows that was on kind of around the same time of the day. And um, she was surprised. She was like, oh, why? I thought you covered true crime and food. And she was surprised to hear that he's ever done anything kind of worthy of being on Unsavory. Oh, no. Does she listen to the podcast? Is she going to be She does not listen to the podcast. She does not have Wi-Fi. She does not have a smartphone. She's not a podcast gal. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should get her onto this one because it might change her opinion of him. Yes. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll... I'll send it over so she can have a listen. (laughs) Get her an iPhone. (laughs) Anyways, let's get into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. The information in this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you're interested in medical nutrition therapy or personalized nutrition advice, please talk to a physician or registered dietitian in your area. If you have a history of disordered eating, be advised that nutrition details will be discussed and take the steps you need to protect your recovery journey. All the citations and relevant links for anything mentioned in this episode will be in our show notes on our website, unsavorypodcast.com. This podcast may contain coarse language, mature subject matter, and content of a violent or disturbing nature. Listener discretion is advised. This is an independently produced podcast. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can sign up as a donor through the Patreon link in our bio. If you could rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends, that would really help us out, and we will be forever grateful. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Shout out to my sources for today's episode, which are all listed in the show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. I used an article by Kyler Alvord called The Rise and Fall of Dr. Oz. Then I used some various articles in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and some studies in an attempt to back up some of Dr. Oz's claims. So Dr. Oz is notorious for going against the grain. In his practice, he's famously incorporated things like Reiki and hypnosis, on his show, he's discussed super controversial topics like conversion therapy and fat camps. And he's even dabbled in true crime by doing things like interviewing Casey Anthony's old roommates. Wow, he was really all over the map. He really was. But how did he get here? <laughs> and I like to call this next section the pathology of Dr. Oz because you can really see how a lot of the things in his past likely shaped him to be the person that he is today. So Mehmet Oz was born June 11th, 1960 in Cleveland, Ohio. His parents were Turkish immigrants. His father, Mustafa, was a thoracic surgeon, and his mother, Suna, was a physician and the director of a pharmaceutical company. So already from a young age, he was exposed to the world of medicine and also to the world of pharma. So in 1982, he graduated from Harvard University with a degree in biology. Then in 1986, he received his MD degree from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from Wharton. And it's my understanding that he received these two degrees in the same year. Oh, wow. So he's clearly incredibly determined and hardworking. And I also read that he did spend some time serving in the Turkish army to maintain his Turkish citizenship, which I found very interesting. Yeah, he's definitely a real go-getter. Absolutely. While he was in medical school, he met his wife, Lisa Lamole, who's an actress and a producer. Together, they have four children. Lisa's father, who is also a surgeon and apparently part of the team that conducted the first ever heart transplant surgery in the U.S., or the first successful one at least, and then her mother was more into alternative medicine. So she'd use things like herbal teas, garlic, and oils for her own health ailments, as well as the ailments of her children. And she actually even turned down gallbladder surgery at one point, claiming that she could fix it through diet. Oh, no. And I find it so interesting when somebody so evidence-based, like her father, a heart surgeon ends up with somebody that who's so into alternative medicine. And I know I know a real life couple like this and I always wonder what their dinner table conversations must be like. I would imagine they either avoid the topic altogether <laughs> or they have some really heated debates. I can't imagine those two ideologies not clashing once in a while. I know. It would be so interesting. Would love to be a fly on the wall. This exposure to alternative medicine practices seemed to really have had an impact on Dr. Oz. So following his university education, he conducted his residency at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center in New York in general and cardiothoracic surgery. He then became an attending there and started to incorporate more alternative medicine into his practice. So again, things like meditation, acupuncture, and hypnosis. So in 2001, he became the complementary medicine program director, and he started teaching at Columbia. Apparently, his roommate 
in college, became the president of the Discovery Channel, uh, where he then offered Dr. Oz his own show, which was called Second Opinion. In it, they would show actual surgical footage, and Dr. Oz would narrate over it just about like things like the danger of smoking and of having a, a quote-unquote poor diet. Dr. Oz, knowing that he needed to kind of hook people into this show, contacted a mutual friend that he shared with Oprah, and he got her to appear on the very first episode to talk about obesity and personal weight struggles. And the, the two TV hosts, they clicked immediately, so Oprah and Dr. Oz, and he soon became the go-to medical expert on her show, appearing in over 60 episodes. It's all about who you know. And I actually think that's where I know Dr. Oz from more, is appearing on Oprah. Yeah. Because I never watched the Dr. Oz show, but I did watch Oprah. I feel like I like I did watch Oprah as well, but I feel like sometimes... Did Dr. Oz air right after Oprah? Maybe. Like, they're very tied in my mind. Yes, they are very tied in my mind as well. But I do remember, I feel like, watching Oprah and then watching... Ellen. Dr. Oz and Ellen. <laughs> Ellen. Ugh, the best. And Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil. Yeah, and a quick side note. So before Dr. Oz even had this show, his Discovery Channel roommate, whose name is Billy Campbell, he had apparently taken some time to follow Dr. Oz around when he was working in the emergency room. And he was like writing up his experiences, like Dr. Oz's experiences for a new show. And I saw in an article that Dr. Oz claims that his experiences later became ER. Hmm. I don't know if I fully believe. I tried to like look it up further and I couldn't find anything, but I don't know. Seems like maybe he's got, I mean, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Also, ER is a drama. Like it is yeah. <laughs> very much like probably not realistic, yeah, not based on real life. And I feel like you don't need to follow a actual doctor around in order to get those dramatic stories. For sure. And there is, I mean, based on ER doctors that I've met, there's no way they're letting like a TV writer follow them around. First of all, like that's a privacy issue. Yeah. But also they're busy. Get out of the way. I know. Anyways, people really love Dr. Oz's like engaging and holistic approach to health. Uh, so he continued to get TV appearances on things like CNN and Dateline. He had a radio talk show at one point. He contributed to magazines and medical research. He co-wrote the book, You, the Owner's Manual. <laughs> and also a good it's name. Such a, I actually like really like that name and I'm sad that it's taken. Me too. And it's like take ownership. Like it's you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. And then he he wrote a few other books in that same series, the the You series. Yeah. So he's just a very, very busy guy. Then in in 2009. That's when he landed the Dr. Oz show, which entailed hour-long episodes five days a week about different health and wellness topics with a focus on prevention and, I guess, taking ownership over your health. I guess you kind of said that you didn't really watch it, but like, have you seen it? I'm definitely aware of it and have for sure seen clips, um, but I feel like more as a background TV situation, like I never watched it, like sat down and watched the full hour episode of Dr. Oz, five days mm -hmm. a week. Well, maybe your grandma has some old ones recorded that you could watch with her. Oh, yeah. So the Dr. Oz show was actually airing up until two weeks ago, which is wild to me. Wow. So they've aired over 1,600 episodes, but it really kind of makes you question, like, that's a big number of episodes. It makes you question, like, what evidence-based content they could possibly be covering in 1,600 hours. For sure. And to make it interesting, too. Like, sometimes evidence-based content just isn't that eye-catching. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I would say that the whole show kind of plays more like an infomercial than an actual medical talk show. But again, with Oprah's support and her production company behind him, it's called Harpo Productions, he quickly built his audience to about 3 million viewers an episode. Wow. So he liked to make viewers kind of uncomfortable in his show by discussing more like taboo topics like poo and by <laughs> showing viewers graphic images like health images 
like the inside of his colon, which he actually did do. <laughs> um, and this is really where Dr. Oz gets the bulk of his fame and notoriety because he is different. He's edgy and he likes to make health seem easy, like it's achievable. Yeah, for sure. And conversational. And he's definitely charismatic. Mm -hmm. Like, that's undeniable. No, for sure he is. But with the show, like, he really did kind of open himself up to criticism of practicing, like, pseudoscience and in giving a platform to guests who may possibly have monetary motives. Okay, so up until maybe, like, the last two minutes, you might have been thinking, Dr. Oz doesn't sound so bad. But I assure you, that's about to change. <laughs> so he has been linked to several medical misinformation scandals throughout his career. And we're going to do a deep dive into a few of them. We can't cover them all because we'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, the average episode of The Dr. Oz Show has around 12 specific health recommendations in it. So over the course of his entire show, so those... 1,600 episodes, that's about 19,000 health recommendations. That is way too many for anyone to realistically follow. Absolutely. I'm sure there were some that overlapped, but like there was somebody who, mm -hmm. I guess, researched this in quotations and found that there were about 12 recommendations in episodes. So it's an average number. Wow. And some of the information that he shares is evidence-based, but a lot of it is literal fiction that has been disproven through research or advised against by the food industry. So in 2011, he promoted what's called the HCG diet for weight loss. Kate, didn't someone just message us on Instagram about this diet? Did they? I might not have seen it. I think they did. They what told did... us to look into it. Oh, really? Yep. Okay, well, maybe we'll do a whole episode on this one because it is very fascinating. But yeah, so HCG, if you're unfamiliar, it's the pregnancy hormone that's produced by the placenta. And so he advised people to take a supplement of it alongside a diet of 500 calories a day to lose weight. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The FDA quickly told people to throw any HCG products used for weight loss and to discontinue the diet immediately. While HCG is a naturally produced hormone in females, there are known risks to males who take it, including mm -hmm. things like blood clots, edema, which is fluid buildup, and swelling of the breast tissue. Oh, wow. But of course, none of this was mentioned by Dr. Oz on the show. Convenient. Mm -hmm. Plus, a number of studies have shown that the hormone does not suppress hunger or promote weight loss, as he claimed. So 10 months after the episode aired, the FDA issued a warning to seven different companies who were all trying to market HCG supplements, saying that they were breaking the law by reiterating these false claims in their marketing and like on their packaging. Hmm. And I did look up HCG supplements because I was curious if you, they were still just readily available on the market. And you can buy them. And I saw at least two that made weight loss claims on the internet. Wow. Mm-hmm. So be very careful when you're buying unregulated supplements on the internet. Definitely. And okay, so if the FDA is issuing warnings to all these different companies that they're breaking the law by reiterating the false claims, surely Dr. Oz is breaking the law by making the false claims in the first place. But I don't know if it's necessarily breaking the law if you're not promoting a specific product Right. or brand of product when you're doing so. He does say that he has the right to free speech a number of times in his arguments against people coming after him. I bet he has the best team of lawyers. I'm sure he does. I'm <sighs> sure he does. I'm sure there's mm -hmm. some overlap with Trump's lawyers. And so far, he's continuing to get away with everything. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, but back to this. Anyone who's eating 500 calories a day will likely experience some type of weight loss. So like it probably won't be enjoyable, healthy, or sustainable, but it will likely happen with or without HCG involved. For sure. It would be miserable, mm -hmm. but the ACG doesn't really matter in this scenario. No, because you're starving yourself. Yeah. 
Uh, not to mention that HCG is commonly used in combination with fertility drugs to help females conceive. So had this recommendation taken off, it could have possibly caused a shortage similar to what we're seeing with Ozempic, but with the fertility drug aspect. So it's just such a short-sighted recommendation. And honestly, it's shocking that it was doctor-recommended at all. Yeah, definitely. Did he ever apologize or get in any sort of trouble for this? No, I don't think he did apologize. Like, he has a tendency to just double down on his claims. The confidence. It's the confidence. And I think that that's what makes him seem so trustworthy to people is that Mm -hmm. When he says something, he really stands behind it. If I only had an ounce of that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But yeah, so 2011 was a really good year for misinformation because it's also the year that Dr. Oz started the arsenic and apple juice scare. And please do interrupt me if you've heard of any of these because I'd love to know what you've heard of them before you hear what I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, so far with both of these, I don't remember hearing about them like in the media at the time that they were happening. Okay. I definitely knew there was like some Dr. Oz quackery and misinformation, but these details are all new. Yeah. And like when we get into more of like the political stuff, it might ring more of a bell because I definitely remember hearing some of some of it in the news. Mm-hmm. So much scandal. But yeah, so basically for this apple juice scandal, Dr. Oz told his audience that apple juice is laden with cancer-causing arsenic. I would, I mean, I would weirdly guzzle a crisp cold apple juice right now. It sounds so good to me. I would too, and I have some in my fridge. I haven't had apple juice in ages. I might do that later. (laughs) In your Stanley cup? (laughs) In my Stanley cup, yeah, a liter. A liter of apple juice. (laughs) So yeah, so apparently before this episode on apple juice even aired, Many food industry professionals, including the FDA and apple juice manufacturers, contacted Dr. Oz to warn him that his information was inaccurate and that it would be irresponsible to share without all of the facts. Hmm. And I think that they must have seen the promos and stuff for the episode upon reaching out to him. Oh, yeah. But Dr. Oz decided to air it anyways, causing an unnecessary wave of panic in his viewership. You know what? I bet his viewership is a lot of moms Mm -hmm. who were feeding their kids apple juice. You're probably right. Just because the time of day it aired, after school kind of time. Mm -hmm. And his viewership was mainly female. But yeah, so like at first glance, when you first hear it, it is alarming. Because I feel like when a lot of us hear the word arsenic, our minds might associate it with being that like, lethal poison that you see in spy movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that isn't the full story. So arsenic is really all around us. It is naturally occurring in our soil uh, where it can then get into our water systems and onto anything that grows from the ground, so grows in the soil. And this is what's called organic arsenic, which is not known to be toxic to humans and has never been linked to cancer. So knowing this, it would almost be impossible for apple juice to be arsenic-free, but that goes for almost all produce or products made from produce. Uh, So of course, on his show, Dr. Oz references the total amount of arsenic that can be found in a glass of apple juice and not the amount of inorganic arsenic, which is the stuff that has been linked to cancer. But it's also what the FDA already heavily monitors in apple juice because they are aware that, I mean, there could be potentially a risk of arsenic in anything, but they already monitor Mm -hmm. it there. So unfortunately, when confronted about it, Dr. Oz classically doubles down instead of retracting his statements, which as I mentioned, this is something that he does commonly do, Mm. which again, I think is a super dangerous rhetoric when you might be wrong. (laughs) Yeah, and when you're speaking to millions of people, Mm -hmm. this isn't a one-on-one client consult in a doctor's office. Like, this is a public platform where he's a trusted doctor. Yeah, and I feel like he kind of, he doesn't use terminology like may or can produce X, Y, and Z. I feel like he does kind of speak more in like solid terminology like this does or this is. 
which is also yeah, dangerous. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point you're going to get to this, but has his medical license ever been in jeopardy? We'll get to that. I don't want to spoil it so for hold you. Hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold that thought. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the next scandal. <laughs> so in 2012, Dr. Oz had a guest on his show who he introduced as a naturopathic doctor and a certified nutritionist. This quote-unquote doctor, Lindsay Duncan, was there to talk about a miraculous green coffee bean extract that could lead to 20 pounds of weight loss in 12 weeks without any exercise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Duncan said that the science backed his claim and that everybody in the medical community and the science community were talking about it. This diet supplement soon did become super popular, which was not uncommon for the products that were talked about on the Dr. Oz show. And there's even this phenomenon that's called the Oz effect that describes like the increase in product demand after it was mentioned or it being mentioned on the Dr. Oz show. But there were a few issues. So it turned out that Duncan was not actually a doctor. And he was personally selling green coffee bean supplements without disclosing it. And there was no evidence to suggest that the green coffee bean extract even contributed to weight loss. Of course. Duncan was later charged by the Texas Attorney General for claiming to be a naturopathic doctor when his degree came from an an accredited, no longer in existence, online learning college. And it's a degree that is illegal to use in some states like in Texas. Wow. Then the FTC forced him and two of the manufacturers that he had stake in to pay $9 million to consumers of the products for making these deceptive claims and for profiting millions of dollars from these unsubstantiated claims. And they were unsubstantiated because the evidence that they used to show an association between the green bean extract and weight loss was actually just one study that had been funded by a green coffee bean manufacturer. A little bit of bias there. Yeah, definitely a little bit of bias. And I actually think that the the study wasn't even published. I think it was spoken about at a conference, but I don't think that it ever was like printed. Wow. So this guy really took that one very small piece of information that wasn't even proven to be anything and ran with it, hey? Mm-hmm. And I actually feel like this one I heard about in, it's like in a dusty corner of my brain, but I do kind of remember Googling green coffee beans to see what all the hype was about. And if this was 2012, that would have been like peak diet culture interest for me, early, early 20s. So it adds up. It does add up. And yeah, so that that company that sponsored the the study, they were mm-hmm. previously sued for $3.5 million for making false claims in their research. A lot of these, when we cover these cases, there seem to be people who just get in the habit of like doing these claims, doing these, you know, fraudulent things, and they just keep going. I know. And this is the issue. It's like, I don't know if the law takes into consideration like the hierarchy of evidence. Mm. So if there is... I wonder a piece of research out there and somebody references it as being factual, is it wrong if it's a super poor study? Like, obviously, we know it's wrong to practice that way in dietetics and we would never do so. Yeah. But is it illegal? Is it illegal? Is the quality of the evidence considered? I wonder. I don't know. I think think there probably are situations. Like, I bet if it's a medical claim, Mm -hmm. the evidence has to be very, very strong. If it's on a product label, that I know. Yeah. Huh. These are great questions. I know. I wish we knew a medical lawyer that we could bring on here. (laughs) I would actually love to meet a medical lawyer. Okay. So this is really just like the tip of the iceberg here. So he's been involved in so many scandals, uh, including one where he told everyone that sleeping with lavender soap can help you combat restless leg syndrome which there is no evidence for. Probably harmless, but <laughs> yeah, that's actually <laughs> kind of hilarious. That's what I read is like, there's no harm to sleeping with soap, but it's not going to do anything <laughs> for you. <laughs> Except maybe make you smell nice when you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> 
He also claimed that sea bass, red onions, and endives can reduce the risk of ovarian cancer by 75%, which is also lacking a lot of evidence. Wow. (laughs) Annie claimed that Ebola could become airborne at any given moment during the Ebola epidemic, which is just so irresponsible. Yeah, that's just going to create fear. Mm -hmm. But one of his more recent scandals, and maybe one that you've heard of, involved COVID-19. And what's kind of surprising to me is that Dr. Oz wasn't like initially really an anti-vaxxer, and he himself was vaccinated. But in the first few weeks of the pandemic, when fear was at an all-time high and mortality rates were rising, he went on Fox News multiple times to promote hydroxychloroquine, a drug that's used to treat malaria and lupus. You might remember that former President Trump also promoted this drug, claiming that he took it to prevent COVID. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. Dark times. Very dark times. Unfortunately, this prevention method lacked evidence and there was neither safe nor effective in doing what they said it did. But because a doctor and the president of the United States were recommending it, people naturally started to buy it. To the point where it created a shortage for the people who needed it. And possibly the bigger scandal here or another scandal here is that um, it was found that Dr. Oz had over half a million dollars in stock in the pharmaceutical companies that distribute this drug. Wow. Yes. And a huge tragedy in all of this is that people did actually die from this. So possible side effects of hydroxychloroquine are issues with heart rhythm. So people who have pre-existing heart conditions are at a higher risk of having complications. So in April 2020, the FDA reported that deaths had been associated with using the drug for COVID prevention, and they later made a statement that there was no evidence supporting that the benefits of taking it outweighed any of the risks. And to this day, I still don't think that there is evidence to suggest this. Um, and I did try to see if if I could find like um, a number in terms of the the numbers of deaths and I couldn't, which I thought was a little strange, but I think it's also probably hard to monitor the number For sure. that would be associated with and something like this. there was like a lot this. going on at the time. Yes, there was a lot of tracking of a lot of things. So Dr. Oz was also criticized for some COVID comments that he made on the Sean Hannity show about sending kids back to school. And here he's quoted on the show. I'll just read this quote to you. I just saw a nice piece in The Lancet arguing that the opening of schools might only cost us 2 or 3% in terms of total mortality. So basically, I think what he's suggesting is that parents should send their kids back to school because we'll only lose 1% to 2% of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he, he later did apologize for this one, saying that he misspoke. But that Mm -hmm. sounds like a pretty clear and thought through statement to me. Like he even had statistics involved. I love that he's he's like, oh, I just saw a nice piece in the Lancet. Like it's like a great read. (laughs) This morning coffee. I know. And I I do think that this really shows like his increasing like lack awareness or empathy for the people who he's even speaking to. Mm -hmm. Like talking about the lives of children like they're expendable. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. He really, in at least in my mind, he became a celebrity, not a doc, even though he was still a doctor and I think maintained his license. He was more of a celebrity. So he's probably really disconnected about the oath that doctors take and what it means like what it means to actually, you know, see and treat patients. For sure. And I, I did hear that he was like he was practicing actual medicine with his like fame, with the takeoff of his fame as well. Really? Like he was still performing surgeries and seeing patients. Yeah. Wow. He's just, I feel like he just is an with overachiever. Like <laughs> I, I know when you're doing five episodes a week, and I think that that's yeah. why maybe the quality of research, the quality of guests kind of like took a plunge. I highly doubt he was doing all his own research, but as a doctor, he has the ethical duty to make sure everything is accurate. Yeah, he has the responsibility. 
mm-hmm. to like vouch for those guests and like look up there. I mean, it doesn't have to be him, but he has to have reliable, trustworthy people on his team yeah. who can help him with this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Anyways. <laughs> so before all the, the COVID drama, uh, Dr. Oz had previously formed somewhat of a friendship with Donald Trump during his presidential campaign. In what many people thought was an effort to boost his popularity with female voters, Trump went on TV with Dr. Oz, where Oz assessed his physical exam results and asked him like a few health-related questions. And right after that, he publicly reported that Trump is in good physical condition. And I watched this because I was so curious, like, did he perform like a physical assessment on him or anything? No, he simply reads through reports that Trump himself hands to Dr. Oz. (laughs) And Dr. Oz reads out loud just like a bunch of lab values, which obviously don't make any sense to most viewers, and then says, you're good. (laughs) Looks good. (laughs) That's hilarious. I think I might have to go watch that. Yeah, it's it's super, it's super quick. It's like a less than five-minute video. So highly recommend (laughs) if you want to laugh. But yeah, so to no one's surprise, once Trump was elected. Dr. Oz became the president's counsel on sports, fitness, and nutrition for the Trump administration. Okay, I didn't know that. And that's shocking because he's, that's not even his area of expertise. He's a surgeon. He's a celebrity. (laughs) He's a celebrity and a surgeon. I would love to see a dietitian in that role, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that maybe that role should even be split in a few parts. Yeah. Because those are very different things, nutrition, sports, and fitness. And I would never feel comfortable speaking specifically about sports and fitness. Yeah, same. If it was out of the range of like nutrition. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Very different areas. So unfortunately, this wasn't Dr. Oz's only stint in politics. In 2021, he changed his address from New Jersey to Pennsylvania and launch his campaign in Pennsylvania for a U.S. Senate seat. And I think I should just reiterate here that he was born in Ohio, and he lived most of his life in New Jersey. So you can just change your address and then... So I did read somewhere that he had his license, like his medical license, in Pennsylvania. So I think that that probably played a factor. And apparently he did move there when he changed his address, but there's some people who, like, call BS on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But he won the Republican primary and he had like Trump support in doing so. And then he did go on to the general election where he faced Democratic candidate John Fetterman, who was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. At one point, Fetterman made fun of the fact that Dr. Oz, I think in like a YouTube video, continued to use the word crudite instead of vegetables when he was like talking to his audience, which I think is really funny, especially when you are talking to the general public. Yeah. Be like, what's crudite? I do love the idea of like romanticizing your life and making normal things seem fancy and calling your carrot sticks crudite is very fancy. I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's cute to call, call veggies crudite, but it's not like an accessible term to be using. <laughs> no. We're calling like cheese and crackers charcuterie. Yes. Um, I'm all for it, but it is funny. <laughs> but in retaliation, Dr. Oz's campaign stated that if Fetterman had eaten more vegetables, maybe he wouldn't have had the stroke that he had in May 2022. Wow. That is so insensitive. Yeah. It's a real low, and this was really not good for his public image because as a doctor, how can you say that? And I I think it, like, really reflects poorly on him and, like, how he practices. And again, that insensitivity piece where he's kind of disconnected from people who he's working with, who he might be seeing as patients or the people he's just speaking to. Mm -hmm. And as with all political candidates, uh, people started to dig more into his past and found some very unsavory stuff. So allegedly, reports of animal abuse were uncovered from some of the studies that he oversaw at Columbia University. And I'm not going to get into them here because they were terrible. And I had a really hard time even reading the claims, but I made myself do it. 
I will say that they did include experiments and the abuse of dogs. No. Yeah. Uh, There were a list of other animals, including like pigs and things like that too. But Mm. yeah, the dogs really stuck out to me. Apparently there were hundreds. Oh. Yes. It's terrible. But yeah, so with that, as well as his stance on abortion and so many other things, he did end up losing the election in November and I think deservingly so. Yeah, good. Didn't he say that abortions should be a decision made with your political leader or something? Yeah, yeah. He said something. I think it was an abortion should be like a decision between, I think it was a woman, uh, their doctor, and their local (laughs) political leader. (laughs) Oh my God. I I saw this Amy Schumer sketch. Have you seen it? No, I don't think so. Okay, it's so funny. Remind me. (laughs) So basically, it's just a sketch where Amy Schumer finds out that she's pregnant, and then she goes Mm -hmm. around asking political leaders if she should get an abortion. (laughs) Wait, I think I did see that, actually. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, that's just a nice way to make light of a terrible situation. Yeah, so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So while he did have Trump's support throughout this whole campaign, I think it's very important to mention that his longtime pal, Oprah, actually endorsed his opponent, Fetterman. That says a lot. It does say a lot. And this isn't the only time that his friends and colleagues have openly opposed him and his stance on either politics or medicine. So even at the beginning of his career, doctors that he worked with at Columbia had expressed concerns about some of his practices, specifically the energy therapy that he was using at that complementary medicine clinic that he was the director for. And he was actually told to stop doing doing so. Uh, So Dr. Eric Rose, the surgeon who gave Dr. Oz his first job at the Columbia Hospital, made a statement that Dr. Oz, he is a good practitioner, but that he doesn't take into consideration the hierarchy of evidence. And he really leaned into his role as an entertainer rather than Hmm. a practitioner. And Dr. Rose did say that he would no longer send a patient to him, which I think is totally fair. Yeah, definitely. In 2014, Dr. Oz testified before a Senate subcommittee on consumer protection, product safety, and insurance for false advertising of the weight loss products and claims that he's made. And there were multiple. And then Senator Claire McCaskill... At one point during the the hearing, she stated, the scientific community is almost monolithic against you. Just such a strong statement. (laughs) That is such a strong statement. But again, he doubled down, showing printouts of studies that he had referenced previously and claiming that he can't control what viewers take out of context. Well, he needs to provide the context. Correct. That's... So he can control what how viewers take things. If he provides the context. It might just not be so clickbaity. Exactly. Yeah. So in 2015, a group of Dr. Oz's colleagues from various different institutions called for him to be fired from Columbia University. And they stated, Dr. Oz has repeatedly shown disdain for science and for evidence-based medicine, as well as baseless and relentless opposition to the genetic engineering of food crops. Worst of all, he's manifested a lack of integrity by promoting quack treatments and cures in the interest of personal financial gain. Uh, So now Columbia eventually did cut ties with him, but it was more so when he started his political venture, I think. Hmm. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting because... I understand the importance of free speech and like being able to talk about different opinions. But even just as a dietitian, and I'm certain it's the same for physicians, we have to be evidence based. It's mm-hmm. part of keeping our license and being a dietitian or being a physician, being any sort of healthcare provider. Yeah. So if he's saying things that like, I, I just don't understand how there's not more punishment for what he's done. No, I know. And I have heard of, dietitians, people in our field who have been reprimanded for saying much less than this publicly. Wow. Mm-hmm. And to a way smaller audience, I'm sure. Way smaller. Hundreds of people, not yeah. millions. And promoting products, like promoting products 
as a healthcare provider, like a dietitian, I can't like obviously I can only speak to dietitian, but I'm sure it's the same for others. But you really it's it's challenging to promote a product. You have to really believe in the product and not have any sort of financial gain from it. Yeah. And I think one thing that did save him in a lot of cases was that when he would have people on his show promoting their own products and stuff like that, a lot of the times he wouldn't be earning money from those those sales. There were a few instances like with the the COVID stuff and whatnot where he did have like stake in like the pharmaceutical manufacturers. Right. But in a lot of cases, he didn't. But someone did. But somebody so, did. Whoever brings their product onto the show is almost guaranteed to see a financial boost mm-hmm. because of the Oz effect. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe people were even paying to be on the show. I'm sure that that was a thing. Yeah. Um. So there was money passing hands. I just don't think that it was for the reasons that he could have been reprimanded for. Right. It's just a very smart scheme. And very public. Right in plain sight. I know. It's <laughs> not smart because we can see how fraudulent it seems, but smart in the fact that like he continues to get away with it. It's not fraudulent enough. But yeah, so there was a study that was um, published in the British Medical Journal uh, that evaluated some of his claims. And they found that about 54% of his recommendations either lacked or contradicted available scientific evidence. So that means that like Hmm. only 46% of what he says can be substantiated by evidence. Isn't that wild? And even then, it's like how substantiated. Exactly. You know, I'm sure some of them are only linked to like one study, maybe two poor quality studies. Anyways, this is such a huge issue, especially when you have established yourself as a medical expert and a nutrition expert which I'm sorry, but he isn't. (laughs) And I think that the fact that almost half of what he says is true almost makes him more dangerous uh, because it's difficult to weed out fact from fiction. And if somebody were to kind of like look up one of his claims, there is a 50-50 chance that they would find good evidence for that claim. Right, like it's just evidence-based enough to seem credible. Yeah. And then as we were just talking about, there's like the Oz effect And it does have a tendency Mm -hmm. to draw in like product manufacturers um, or distributors who might have the opportunity to gain something from being on his show. So yeah, the responsibility like was really on him and his team to kind of like vet these guests appropriately. And unfortunately, he still maintains his license. I didn't see anywhere that he had lost it. Uh Uh-huh. Apparently, once you do have a medical license, it is pretty tough to lose. And it usually warrants like a patient complaint for you to mm. to like get to that point. And I didn't see anything in my research of patients making formal complaints against him. And I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that he is very charismatic. He has good bedside manner. And I think that a lot of people probably liked working with him as a one-on-one practitioner. Yeah, I could see that. I bet he's one of those people you meet in real life and he's kind of like dazzling <laughs> and very personable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. This was really interesting because I never really thought about how much it would take to make a new one-hour show every single day, five days a week for 13 years. You probably get a little fast and loose with your with your stories and trying to keep people tuning in day after day. Mm-hmm. But like, even think about this podcast and how much work it takes to put together like a 45 minute to an hour episode every 2 weeks there's mm-hmm. absolutely no way no way we could do a daily episode and continue to have interesting engaging content no new information just doesn't come out that quickly either so i'm sure you're doing some like deep digging and like word of mouth kind of evidence mm-hmm. No, for sure. It would take like an entire team behind us. And then it kind of disperses Mm -hmm. the responsibility in a way. Yeah, for Uh sure. And I will say that Dr. Oz is really the first TV doctor, maybe the only like TV medical doctor. There was Dr. Phil too, but I don't know. But he's definitely the first TV doctor of his magnitude. And like in our schooling, we did learn a touch, like a little bit about media communication and how to do it safely and ethically. But mm-hmm. he was a bit of a trailblazer in that area. So he probably didn't have 
much guidance or many limitations at the start. But I think after the first misinformation scandal and like the FDA warnings, he had all the information he needed to know that what he was doing is actually really serious and potentially harmful. Yeah. And the FDA, it sounds like, spoke to him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Which would make the normal person very anxious, I think. And I don't know. It would... Oh, I'd be shaking in my boots. <laughs> yeah. Same. I would apologize immediately. It doesn't matter what I'd say. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, FDA. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Not even the FDA. Like, <laughs> I'm so open to feedback and like <laughs> willing to. Yeah. Anyways, I just can't imagine the confidence. Yeah. And I, I actually think like you bring up a good point, like being open to feedback, but also being open to having your opinions change when new research comes out is really what makes a good practitioner. And I think that that in addition to not being able to identify like a hierarchy of evidence is really kind of what makes him so fraudy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Awesome job, Becca. Thanks for teaching me more about this household name that I've always kind of rolled my eyes about, but not known exactly why. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsavory. You can find all of the references and materials used to put this episode together in our show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. This is an independently produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends. This is the best way that you can support us for free. If you'd like to donate to our podcast, you can sign up as a donor through our Patreon link in our bio. For more information, follow us on Instagram at unsavorypodcast. If you have an idea for an episode or segment, email us at unsavorypod at gmail.com. This podcast was recorded and edited by Jeff Devine. Learn more at Jeff Divine Sound on Instagram. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.